All right, Psalm 106. To set the stage for this psalm, as we heard from Duane um, in the call to worship, that this psalm, like Psalm 105, is a recounting of Israel's past. So let's jump right in because this is lengthy. It's, uh, the title of this is, Give Thanks to the Lord, for He is Good. This is a psalm of praise uh, to God. So we will we'll see that the psalm will begin and end with praise. Verse 1. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Underline that or write that down. His steadfast love endures forever. This is very important. And we will see that this, this is said more than once as we keep reading. But I would like to look a little further into steadfastness and how it affects us. Let's jump over to James for just a minute here because steadfastness has a profound effect on us. So James 1, verse 2 James uh, is right after the book of Hebrews. It is written by Jesus' half-brother, Joseph's son. And it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete. Lacking in nothing. I'll stop there for the sake of time, but please, on your own time, take this back up because the words that follow are just as important and have very wise counsel to our hearts. As James just laid out for us, that when we are tested and we follow God or seek the proper repentance, we see that when steadfastness having its full effect produced perfect and complete so we lack nothing how profound so i don't think that joy is the first thing we think of when we are going through difficult times right i don't think that we see that the nation of israel in exile and living in sin that they find it joy to be in trial but they do get there this psalm is a psalm of praise, although it gets very dark. So, verse 2 in Psalm 106. Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare all his praise? That's a question. So the psalmist asks this question. He's, this is a question that speaks to the heart. The psalmist shows the relationship between words and deeds. How can we do this, right? Or who can do this? Verse 3 is the answer, and it says, Blessed are they who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. Likewise, in Psalm 15, verses 1 and 2, you don't have to flip there, but I'll read it for us. It says, O Lord, 
who shall, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? And the answer is, he who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. And it goes on to show more attributes of that person. We see that we are looking for a person who can do these things and more. Let's keep reading in verse 4 and 5 of Psalm 106. It says, Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Help me when you save them, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. Oh, this just pulls my heart to John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world, there's that steadfast love we were talking about, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. In this verse, we are seeing this is the guy we are looking for. A man who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord and declare all his praise, who lived a blameless life, who counted it joy to suffer all the way to death and raise to life again to bring us into his inheritance, that all who believe in him may glory in his inheritance. How wonderful. Now this is where our psalm starts to turn. And this is where I would like you to remember in these next several passages, dis disciples practice repentance, not self-righteousness. So we'll think of that. We will take a pretty good chunk here. We're going to look at verses 6 through 15. 6 starts off, uh, Both we and our fathers have sinned. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedness. Our fathers when they were in Egypt, did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled by the sea, at the Red Sea. So we see that they have forgotten the steadfast love of the Lord in verse 8. Yet he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make known his mighty power. They forgot about God's love, but he still saved them? He rebuked the Red Sea, that's verse 9, and, he, and it became dry. And he led them through the deep as through a desert. So he saved them from the hand of the foe and redeemed them from the power of the enemy. And the waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them was left. Then they believed his words and sang his praise. So we find this in Exodus 15, the song of Moses. Verse 13, But they soon forgot his words. They did not wait for his counsel. But they, forgot, but they had a wanton craving in the wilderness and put God to the test in the desert. He gave them what they asked, but sent a wasting disease among them. We are seeing them fall back into want, not being content in what God is doing among them. So we look back 
The nation of Israel is led out of Egypt and cross the Red Sea as if it were a desert. What a picture of God's power. They now believe God's words to be true. They are saved from their adversaries. Not long later, Israel sins again after God has saved them over and over now. We see that they put God to the test, not the best plan. We see that there is a consequence to this testing of God. This testing of God is that, oh, sorry. This is that Israel wants, they want meat to eat. That's what they're doing. They're testing God because they want meat. They're complaining. The manna that is a wonderful honey bread that falls from heaven for them daily. And it is in so testing God, they receive a wasting disease. God is not unjust in this consequence. Let's turn over to Leviticus 26. Uh, we're going to start in verse 14 and go through 17. So in Leviticus, it, uh, we see a clearly laid out punishment for disobedience. Verse 14. But if you will not listen to me and will not do all these commandments, if you spurn my statutes, and if your soul abhors my rules, so that you will not do all my commandments, but break my covenant, then I will do this to you. I will visit you with panic, with wasting disease and fever that consumes the eyes and makes the heart ache. And you shall sow your seeds in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. I will set my face against you, and you shall be struck down before your enemies. Those who hate you shall rule over you, and you shall flee when none pursues you. We see here that this has been very, very clearly told to them that if they will not follow God, this is what is to follow. So we have seen so far, sins are acknowledged in verse 6, rebellion in verse 7, forgetfulness in verse 13, uncleanness in 15, and we are going to see jealousy in verse 16, judgment in verse 17, idolatry in verse 19, faithlessness in verse 24, murmuring in verse 25, angering God in verse 32, and child sacrifice in verse 37. These are a wayward people. This is a dirty history. Okay, so we'll go back to Psalm 106, picking up in verse 16. When the men in the camp were jealous of Moses and Aaron, the Holy One of the Lord, the earth opened up and swallowed up Dathan and covered the company of Ibram. Fire also broke out in their company. The flame burned up the wicked. They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped a metal image. They exchanged the glory of God for the image 
of an ox that eats grass. Wow. Let us not forget what God has done for us. Verse 21. They forget God, the Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. Therefore he said he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to turn away his wrath from destroying them. Standing in the breach is a military term, like to breach a doorway and be the first one in a room that you know has the potential to kill you on the other side. Moses did this for Israel. This is what Christ does for us. He stands in the gap and says, I know this man, this woman. When we sin and we know Jesus, he is the one who has covered our sin. Verse 24. We see more of the consequence for disobedience. Then they despised the pleasant land. Having no faith in his promise, they murmured in their tents and did not obey the voice of the Lord. Therefore he raised his hand and swore to them that he would make them fall in the wilderness and would make their offspring fall among the nations, scattering them among the lands. Then they yoked themselves to Baal of Peor and ate sacrifices offered to the dead. They provoked the Lord to anger with their deeds. And a plague broke out among them. Then Phineas stood up and intervened. And the plague was stayed. And that was counted to him as righteousness from generation to generation forever. So Phineas executed judgment on Israel, leading them to repentance. Verse 32, They angered him at the waters of Mirbah. And it went ill with Moses on their account, for they made his spirit bitter. And he spoke rashly with his lips. So this is talking about where people, the people were complaining to Moses for water. And God told Moses the first time to hit the rock with his staff. Water would come forth. This time Moses was to speak to the rock, not strike the rock, and hit the rock. And he hit the rock twice with his staff because the people bittered his heart, the psalmist says. So God would not let Moses enter the promised land because of his rebellion to follow God's commands. They did not, in verse 34, they did not destroy the peoples as the Lord commanded them, but they mixed with the nations and learned to do as they did. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and daughters to the demons. They poured out innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, who they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. Thus they became unclean by their deeds. 
Then the anger of the the anger of the Lord was kindled against his people, and he abhorred his heritage. He gave them into the hand of the nations, so that those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them, and they were brought into subjection under their power. Many times he delivered them, but they were rebellious in their purposes and were brought low through their iniquity. Nevertheless, he looked upon their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake, he remembered his covenant and relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love. He caused them to be pitied by all those who held them captive. We can see now that God's mercy overshadows his judgment. His faithful love endures forever. Israel's only hope was rooted in this fact. Our hope is found in this truth as well. And I pray that this will lead us into repentance and to praise as well. Let's wrap up this as we observe the final prayer from the psalmist, remembering that uh, disciples glorify God not themselves. Verse 47. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, and let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. So as we close, I would like to share one more set of verses in Colossians 1, and it's verse 15 through 23. It reads, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rules or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be Preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, become a minister. So let's give praise 
as a psalmist does, knowing that through Christ we are eternally saved. And it is God who holds us together. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you for the hope we find in your word, for the immeasurable grace you pour out on your people. Thank you for showing us that as we see Israel in all its waywardness, you never left them forsaken. Your faithfulness held them as it does for us today. Thank you for Jesus and how we have been saved into your family for eternity. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.